Okay, so good morning, Sean. It's been so long. We're finally here. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see you. Yeah, I mean, virtually, but great nonetheless, nonetheless, yeah. It's so good to have all these technologies. I I think I'm so grateful because otherwise I don't know how we're going to catch up and, you know, continue with the work we do, but very lucky to have technology, honestly. Yeah, imagine if this all happened... uh... Even 10 years ago. Yeah. Hard, right? Yeah. People complain about Zoom now. Um, students, for example, um, very funnily, they just say, oh, my God, like, I hate Zoom. <laughs> but imagine your education delayed for nobody knows how long because you don't have Zoom. Then that wouldn't be too fun either. So I think it all comes back to perspective and gratitude. And it's so important right now. Oh, look, I, it's right. I mean, you know, just sort of looking around for the things that you're thankful for it really makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I've actually been talking to people about the the importance of telling positive stories at ah, the moment and uh, and noticing the things that go right. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to notice the things that are going wrong. Yeah, like, uh, absolutely. I saw, um, I saw four young fellows uh, walking across the pedestrian crossing uh, the other day, I was just stopped at the lights, and that probably would have been in there about 15, I suppose. And one of them had a football, um, but they're all uh social distancing, which <laughs> I thought was quite a nice. So I was sort of in this, you know, sort of yeah, yeah, wear pattern as they walked across the uh pedestrian crossing, yeah. And I just thought, oh, okay, that's good, you know, 15 year olds, you know, sort of observing the social distancing rules, so yeah. Thought, that's that's a good thing yeah and also going out and getting some exercise so i thought that was pretty good too yeah that's pretty awesome um so i'm curious i know that you know when you were introduced to me i know all about you and anecdote but if you were to talk to somebody at a dinner party for example and introduce yourself as your best friend what would you say um if it was a dear friend and they wanted to know what i did i I would just sort of say i i helped leaders and salespeople in organizations to be better storytellers that's and usually people look at me scratching their head at that point they (laughs) they don't really know what that means um i'm in one of those situations in my family where uh, my brother is a salesman a wine salesman yeah my sister is a principal of a high school um, and then there's me, right? And so at Christmas time, people go, oh, yeah, uh, my daughter, my parents would say, oh, my daughter, she's a principal. And, oh, my son, you know, he's a salesman, wine salesman, all very good. And then they get to me and they go, uh, yeah, something to do with storytelling. No, we don't really know what she does. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fun. And, yeah, yeah. I think I think sometimes... This is just to relate to that story. Sometimes when I tell people that, oh, I'm really passionate about project management and I study project management, people go, oh, so you do construction? (laughs) That's a whole other story. But in a nutshell, it's just, um, you know, we have different passions and not everybody understands it. So it's important to just educate and tell people that, it's a broad thing or storytelling is another thing. And it is not just something that you're confused about because it's actually really important to, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I even, even for my siblings, they didn't quite get it until I published my book. And then I, 
I sent them all a copy of my book, and yeah. and I think that because it was a physical thing, you know, that yeah. here it was, and they could <laughs> open it up. Yeah, and I, I was smart to include stories about my brothers, and my brother and sister. Yeah, uh, so well, they flipped directly to the page about them, um, and then they then they started to get it. I think so. That, <laughs> that was the turning point. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great that you could um, help your friends and family understand it, but I think still a lot of people don't get the concept of intangible things yeah, a lot yeah, these days, tough. which is important. Uh, but I'm really curious because you go way back with storytelling. So what what was the turning point for you to choose storytelling as a career? Yeah, look, it was nothing I planned. I mean, it's not something you sort of leave school and say, I want to teach people storytelling. <laughs> yeah. I... I found myself working at IBM and and because you and I, of course, met through the uh, the Knowledge Management Association here yeah. in, in, in Melbourne, right? Yeah. And uh, I was one of the early, you know, what would you say, uh, people involved in knowledge management uh, yeah. back then. Yeah. And at the time, I was working for IBM. And when I was at IBM... I happened to connect with a guy called Dave Snowden, who's very well known in the knowledge management space, but he was particularly interested in storytelling. Uh, not teaching people storytelling, but more or less collecting stories in organisations as a way to work out culture change programs. Mm. And so I joined his team and, uh, and I had four of the most fabulous years because I more or less travelled the world worked with really large organisations collecting stories. And so I got a real good sense of what storytelling sounded like in companies. Yeah. And and then I jumped out, started Anecdote in 2004, and I didn't do storytelling straight away, actually. I, I helped people with communities of practice. I did culture change programs. But I did call the company Anecdote. Yeah. Right. So, so it was... Obviously, in my mind, as a as a key thing, it sort of sat underneath as just a technique, if you like. Yeah. And then people started asking for storytelling help. So oh. that's sort of how it happened. It was a very circuitous route, if you like, to where where I am at now in terms of helping people with their storytelling. Yeah. But it's been great, and I was so lucky to meet Dave uh, back then. I just had I was in London just before this whole pandemic thing really yeah. took off. Uh, I was probably there in February and I had dinner with Dave and it was in interesting just, uh, you know, re recalling those early days of, you know, the sort of work that we were doing and, and just how, I don't know, it was different, so different. Mm -hmm. Nobody, no one was talking about storytelling when we were doing it back then. Yeah. Uh, of course, everyone's talking about it now. Yeah. 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 I think as we progress as a society, we learn so much more about the things we actually need and a lot of intangible things come into play say now you have storytelling and I, I've seen so many um, leadership skills or soft skills um, and just coaches who care about helping you develop those intangible things for yourself and yeah. not just for one person for a whole community or even for different organizations yeah, so, I, that's yeah. true. And the, the pro, I remember when I worked at, um, so I had a sort of a technology background. Um, and before IBM, I worked for, for Oracle. And in those days, I was a, you know, like a programmer, you know, technical 
technical focus. And I remember um, chatting to one of the sales guys because I was trying to work out where I should take my career, right? And at the moment, at that time, I was learning C programming. So it was, uh, you know, sort of the latest type of uh, computer language to, to get your head around. Yeah. And my colleague said to me, Sean, there's three places where you can learn C, right? You can either learn C on a PC, in which case every man and his dog can develop, you know, write C on a PC. So, or you can put it, you can learn it on a mini computer, like a Sun workstation was one of the things back then. Um, and uh, and very few people can, so you'll get higher rates if you, you know, do the middle one. Or you can learn C on a mainframe and you'll probably find it a bit difficult to find a job. But when you do, you know, it'll be a job for life sort of thing. And it always it sort of got me thinking, you know, even today with storytelling, any man and his dog can start a little storytelling business, right? Because you don't need anything, you know, any sort of, you just sort of say, hey, I, we teach storytelling. And so it's trying to work out, you know, for us, you know, where do we sit in that kind of hierarchy? Somewhere in the middle, I think you have to be, where it's, yeah. you're up a bit more than... Um, than what you normally get if you were just an entry-level sort of uh, provider. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. I find it interesting just uh, how that's all changed. Yeah, so interesting. I I think this this time in quarantine gives me and I'm sure a lot of people time to just reflect about the past years in in their lives. Obviously, um, for me as a young person, then the past period would be, you know, the past 10 years, the things have changed. But for you, when you look back to your earlier career, it's going to be so insane to think about all the things that you've gone through and now where our society is standing in the midst of this pandemic as well. It it kind of puts things into perspective a lot. I'm, I, I think so. Yeah. I'm hoping it's going to change. Yeah, yeah. How we, how we see work, how we see, you know, the importance of relationships. I'm starting to realise, uh, and there's two things that have happened recently that made me feel this way, um, realise just imp- how important it is to be in the same physical space as other people, mm, right? It's, yeah. not, it's fine to have Zoom, but it's still not the same as being, I have this real yearning at the moment yeah, yeah, to have yeah. my friends in the same room as me, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's I think so it's true. Because you're missing that and... But I, but I know, I think it's more than that. I think there is something, maybe it's the chemicals that come yeah. from our bodies that sort of, I don't know, I know that sounds a bit woo-woo, but I mean. <laughs> it's not, no, it's not at all. I don't yeah. think it is, right? I think there's something to it. Yeah, I, I think so. You're right, you have a point. Um, I've also been thinking about it a lot and I, I actually think there are two sides to this. So in my brain, I kind of worked out the situation of me not being able to be close to other people um, as a chance for me as an ambivert, as in, you know, the midst of the introvert, extrovert spectrum to oh, just yes. take, like make the best of my time and see my friends online whenever. Yeah. But the other side of it is also, I think, if I'm too used to this, would it be stopping me from going back to seeing people and then I thought no I still have that you know like that social um hangouts or just seeing people's need and even having conversation to me also it's so so good when you have that face-to-face conversation and yeah yeah, even though we are trying to get used to this new normal and we try to utilize technology but 
it's it's never the same and sometimes I feel like um when you're in the moment or when you're in a conversation you you try to be really focused whereas with a screen sometimes it frustrates you and um I don't know if the message gets across but for a lot of people I think it's a challenge yeah so, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. it's a big challenge and yeah. uh, I was chatting to a friend of mine who's who has worked in an office for I think he said he he's been working in an office for thirty years, like he's you know nine to five sort of guy. Yeah, yeah. Go to the office, do his work. He's not probably works longer than that, but <laughs> uh, but he was saying that he's now working from home, and for the first, he said for the first couple of weeks he couldn't work out what it was, but he just felt totally discombobulated. He was he was uneasy in, yeah. in his skin, you know, and he couldn't work it out. And, and I said you're probably going through a grieving process, right? Yeah. You know the. You've lost your space that you're normally there, and now yeah. you're in this totally different space. <laughs> yeah, uh, massive change, and and he sort of went, "Oh, yeah, maybe I am. Maybe that's what it is." So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of people going through that. Yeah, and it's so interesting this time, but hopefully we all come out of it better people. And I think, yeah, um, I'm just gonna stop there because I have so much to to talk about. I just <laughs> I want to ask you because this is about uh, our conversation. So it's important for me to understand. I know you've shared a, a lot about storytelling and you know the intangible things and the changes. But if you were to to send one message to the world right now, this moment about something you really really care about, what would it be? Yeah. Well. That's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Uh, look, for me, I'm, I'm I'm watching, you know, our leaders, uh, our political leaders, yeah. talking about, um, you know, the COVID nineteen, you know, sort of uh, as it unfolds and and trying to give us advice and, and direction, if you like. Yeah. And and I, I guess I I have uh, the, the message for me is for those leaders to to show something of themselves. Mm. The, the ones who are showing, and you, you mentioned empathy right at the beginning of our conversation, yeah. and I think that is uh, something that those leaders must bring uh, to the party, you know, in terms of this, because that's when we all believe that what they're saying is is what they really believe, right? Yeah. So that's the message. I want I want leaders to, you know, speak with clarity and empathy and, and, and share experiences so that we know yeah. what they're saying is real as yeah. opposed to, you know, the five dot points they've been given by their political advisor. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm seeing a little bit of that now. It's kind of very interesting kind of contrasting the different, uh, so, you know, you've got um, Jacinda Ardern over in New, New Zealand who's a very empathetic person, you know, she'll sit on her couch late at night, she's just fed, fed a baby, um, she's, she gets on fa FaceTime, does a, a Facebook, I mean, and does a live Facebook uh, video, and she's just chatting to her citizens, right? Whereas, you know, the, sort of what we get in Australia is very uh, scripted and you yeah. know, prepared uh, with Scott Morrison. Yeah. But then I noticed that Dan Andrews is taking a more... Uh, empathetic approach, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But it, I think it's working really well. And yeah. I really like it. And I sort of go, okay, well, yeah, I can get where that guy's coming from. Yeah. So, me too. I feel that so much, and I think 
personally for me who somebody who doesn't really understand Australian politics um, I've I've noticed a lot of interesting things during this period and when I watch the news for example um, I actually have this little comment I don't know much about about them and what they do but to your point I feel like they say for example Scott Morrison when he came on every time that he was on any live streams it seems like half of the things he said were the things that he said the day before and he just spent so much time reiterating the previous uh, message without yeah. really focusing on sending another message at that moment on because first is his time but second like you were saying is empathy for the people as well and I feel like it's just too much repeating rather than empathy speaking. And yeah, I I I absolutely I absolutely feel like Dan Andrews is doing like that that job as a leader to try and tell people that he's also really passionate to help everyone at this point, but there's only so much that he can do and that really resonates with me being you know, an international person living in Australia. And I feel like, yeah, the leader of this state in particular seems to be really passionate about helping us and he's doing the best he can. So yeah. I feel more peaceful when I listen to those messages and his tone is really powerful as well to me. So yeah. it has yeah. both that, you know, informative and that empathetic angles. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Splendid and the Vile. It's it's about um, Winston Churchill during the uh, you know the, the Blitz in London, yeah. and and um, and I'm very I, I notice a lot about the speeches that he made, and and really the the approach that he would take is he would start off just giving the the tough facts of what's going on, and uh, but then he would always end with a, an uplifting, you can do it, you are courageous, you guys are the, you know, if anyone can get it, we can do it. And, and so by the end of it, you're sort of going, yeah, I know it's a shit situation, but I'm, I can, we can do it, we can do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think getting that combination is, um, is something that uh, maybe Dan Andrew gets close to, but, mm, I don't, yeah. but, it, but it's more that, I think, that we need from our leaders yeah. uh, rather absolutely yeah i mean for me that's all that's always been on my mind and i i find that politics is a concept that i'll never get um, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and um i know a lot of people especially my grandfather and my um, mom my dad everybody in my family they are so passionate about politics they can talk yeah, about right. it you know every day every meal but for me i i just like to pretty much stay away from those conversations because i don't get the concept of standing in front of your people and reading a script so <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah doesn't so, make any sense does it really yeah so yeah i think it, it's kind of like when uh, refers back to say for example when you present something to people and yeah. you're saying so this is my idea now I'm going to read what's written. So this is about, you know, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah so like, and they're just going to go like, you have the piece of paper in front of you and you're just like, okay, so this is the topic I'm really passionate about. I'm going to read about it. So I think, <laughs> you know, I think that's why 
conversation yeah. and having that both that empathetic conversational aspect to any speech that leaders give are really important because I feel like when I watched Obama speaking, um, you know, a couple of years ago when he visited Vietnam, my home country, he yeah. he taught young people about the the power of a lot of different things and you know leadership comes in and I was I was really empowered by it because firstly it it was it was pretty much non scripted I know he did prepare a lot for it but when he when he did talk about it he didn't really have to refer to anything and he spoke with such I don't know compassion and passion and everything that came out of that speech just moved yeah me. so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't find that with my um, political leaders in Vietnam in particular and a lot of them just do the same thing of reading um, you know scripted stuff and even some simple thing like I'm, I, have, I have nothing against them just disclaimer but something <laughs> as meaningful as happy new year that that message um you know we have uh one political party so we don't have divided parties but um every new year he would come on our um leader would come on and he would read a script about the new year so it would right. go something like he'll have a piece of paper in front of him like this and then he'll yes. go happy new year this year we and last year we i hope you and then it just goes on like that so you get you get what i'm saying right and, oh yeah yeah and i mean to me i have nothing against them because i know that whatever i get or whichever environment i'm in um it's it's thanks to all leaders but also it's it's thanks to the people so if if we do, we have that disconnection from the leader and the people it seems like a funny concept to me in terms of politics especially when they communicate with their people yeah i think it's sort of an indicator of some level of fear that that leader has mm. on saying the wrong thing or looking stupid or yeah and they have this safety net which is the written speech but i don't know if they realize just how poorly it comes across yeah. and that you know when you read something it you're essentially squeezing the life out of any ideas that are coming out of it so, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i agree yeah so. and i think it it actually comes back also to another thing that when you are really passionate about something you don't need that script um and naturally when you fall into a profession to me i think um, when you find that calling when you do your job and when you communicate with people and you don't need any script it comes naturally to you and that indicates a level of passion um, and it applies to leaders as well, because if they are passionate about being leaders, for example, Dan Andrews, he did have his documents to refer to, but I knew that whichever came out of his was, you know, his points and yeah. the document was just some sort of list, say, for example, you know, the list of activities that you cannot do and just want to make sure that everything is on that list for people um, because nobody can remember that, honestly, but yeah. Um, yeah. before we go into any list if you have 
the level of communication of you know like i understand the situation and this is what i think would be the best for us and i cannot stress enough how important this is so here are the things that you can find and here are the things that are listed you know on the victorian government website for example and that really moved me i think because i think a lot of leaders don't start out with that kind of message like what i'm talking about is important they just jumped right in i went to a um I went to a wedding about, I don't know, four, four or five weeks ago of my mm. godson. Yeah. And uh, he got up uh, to give the groom's speech. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he stood up and he just sort of said, look, I haven't prepared anything for this speech because I want to speak from the heart. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And oh you can hear God. a penny. You yeah. can hear a penny drop, right? Yeah. A pin drop. Yeah. And he did. He just spoke from the heart how much he loved his bride and and uh, and how much she meant to him, and and it was beautiful. And yeah. So it just shows you, you know, you don't have to have the prepared speech, like you say, if you know it yeah. and you can speak from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That has power beyond belief, right? Yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah. So I think we sometimes we overthink these things. Yeah. True. I I think there's. Um, I think there's something to be worked on there. Um, and it's it's also a tangible, intang- an intangible thing. And I cannot yeah. um, tell you what it is to me right now, but I do know that there's actually a lot of intangible things that can be worked on. And this period is the perfect period for it. And yeah. I know, you know, beside, um, because leaders are particularly busy during this time, but beside them, then, the leaders in the making i think this time is a really good time to just look at what they really care about and if that passion comes in and if they speak from the heart like you were saying then that's perfect because no document can say how passionate you are about certain things unless it comes from you so i'm i'm really excited to see what's gonna come out of the emerging leaders in this period because i feel like the emerging leaders are or tend to be the ones to have all those initiatives or um, the movements to change things and in tough times like this. I'm hoping to see some of that. Yeah. 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 That's the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's great. So I guess it, it leads to the message now. So I think we've, we've covered a lot of bases um, and it all comes back to you know storytelling empathy and speaking from the heart and stuff like that so i guess not all of us are leaders but each of us can take something from the message that you're going to send so if you were to you know to send a message to anyone related to the topic that we just talked about because everybody i think also is not a world leader or a country leader but we are a leader in our own ways anyway so what should we do or what's so important that everybody should know? Um, well, for me, it's just the simple habit of sprinkling what you say with real life experiences. Ah, uh, and that's, that's all I've done in this conversation with you, right? Yeah. So I've sort of said, oh, I went to the wedding. Yeah. I saw four guys walking across the street. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that... Yeah. Because each time you do that, you can visualize it, 
you it's concrete it's specific it's human yeah uh, rather than talking at a high level of abstract concepts and and uh, ideas yeah it's about and i'm not saying you, you flip it all the way you know yeah. you don't just go story after story after story yeah but just by filling your conversation with real life experiences makes it so much more interesting for the listener and it reminds them of their experiences and that's where true human connection comes from when i share a story and then you share a story back to me you know and that's when we become connected yeah Uh, yeah so that's that's the message i have for people just just be thinking about and they don't have to be big things you know they don't have to you just have to be a little bit more mindful of the things that are going on around you yeah. so that you can go, oh, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Mindfulness is so important during this time as well because I feel like um, whenever I speak to my friend, for example, um, now I don't have to rush anywhere and I'm actually more mindful when I listen to their stories too. So that's one important thing. And the other thing with mindfulness and conversation is that sometimes the stories people tell have a lot of underlying meanings. And, you know, we were talking about small or simple stories. But on the other hand, we don't always notice those underlying meanings. And sometimes it indicates who they are and even the level of help that they need. And... I think a quick example that I can give is I chatted to my um, best friend who just had her baby and she is now dealing with postpartum depression. But before she told me explicitly about that, we chatted and in all of our conversation, she always mentioned, oh, it's so tough. I don't know how I'm going to do this, you know, with a new baby and um, with me being mom and my husband working we're both trying our best but it's so tough and all of our conversation would go something like that but i didn't notice the sign i just thought or i just assumed that you know she's a new mom so it must be tough yeah but but then she she referred it back to me and then she said um, a couple of weeks later she she went you know i actually got depressed because of all the things that i was saying I, w- I kept saying that it was tough and that made it tougher. So yeah. now, yeah, I, I didn't notice that. And I think for me, from a, a friend perspective, I, I felt, I felt like an idiot because I didn't notice those things, you know, and with mental health being something that I care so much about, like I thought to myself, like, why didn't I notice those things? And she got in touch with me to ask me about ways to deal with it depression interesting yeah yeah Yeah. but what if she hadn't reached out to me and i just kept imagining or thinking that you know she's happy with her newborn and obviously we're in quarantine right now so there's not much that i can do for her except for conversations yeah that's right exactly and and i think we end up being we end up becoming or being the stories that we tell yeah that is so true so I think that, you know, and if you can help someone hear the stories, uh, it, like uh, going back to that Churchill book, I know it's a, an old subject in some ways, but 
I love that sort of history stuff. Yeah. But the but one of the things that Churchill did uh, during that time was he sent a memo to all of these ministers and and leaders and just sort of said. I need you to be all upbeat. I need you to be positive. I need you to, because the way you act will have a phenomenal impact on how everyone else feels. Yeah. Right? And and I think, so, I mean, that's one element of it. But I think that, let's go back to the sense-making element, you yeah. know, and the, and the picking that up. Yeah. Um, I think that's that becomes one of those important skills, doesn't it? That you mm, yeah. don't just hear the story, you hear yeah. what's sitting behind the story. Yeah, absolutely. And then you ask questions and you get interested. And you, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Sort of... I think I, I've always um, had a hunch when it came to that story, when being me, me being mindful in our conversations. I think part of me was just hoping that it was not true and try to encourage her to be positive and thinking that oh she's she's not gonna fall into depression you know because she has a support system so hopefully she's just you know struggling initially and not having that actual depression um but i think it, it comes back a lot to just keep asking questions and yeah um with people How's your as well. now? um so she's doing a little better um we got in yeah. touch the other day and um, she told me, because I, I sent her some resources to help her with her depression and anxiety. And um, she got back to me and she was saying, I finally made time to meditate, um, you know, with the resource you sent me. Mm. And I feel like yep. myself a little more today, which is a really beautiful thing, I think. And it's going to be a long process. But um, yeah, I, I guess it's also a big learning for me to be really mindful in my conversation with my friends too, because I I want to pick all of those small things up and, and just go back to them if they aren't okay, or if there, if there are any signs of um, a need for help, then yeah. I would want, I would love to pick that up. And yeah, absolutely listening and speaking with mindfulness. I think that's important. Because it's an important skill. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's great. Cool.